All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 531.19. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Game one of the NBA Finals is in the books. Austin Bickett and I have your recap right here. Kendrick Murphy also stops in so we can give our thoughts on Jordan War returning to Louisville and that lofty number two overall preseason ranking. Before we get into it, our show is brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. Stop in Sunday for some 99-cent smoked wings and $6 Bloody Marys. All right, let's get it going. Austin, the Raptors just took game one in a manner that I know I didn't expect. They led from late in the first until the final buzzer. They made it seem like at least tonight they were the better team. What did you think about game one? I think we can all agree that the Raptors absolutely had to win this game to have any chance at all. I mean, you go down 1-0 to the Warriors, give them back home court. I mean, it's pretty much over. And then they come out, they play good pretty much from the start. They led almost the entire game, if not the entire game. There was a few lead changes in the first quarter. I just loved how they came out. They came out and tried to beat the Warriors playing Warriors ball. They shot eight threes in the first four minutes, made a couple of them, held the lead, and then they kind of got back to what they do, just move the ball, play great defense, and it was awesome. I'm so happy that the Raptors won this game. I feel like we have a series on our hands now. Yeah, that's the main thing I wanted from these finals is the maximum amount of basketball that we can possibly get out of this month coming up, and it looks like we may get that. Uh, It's hard to see the Warriors laying down and, like you said, must win for the Raptors. The Warriors take game one. Game two becomes so pressure-packed, and games three and four are going to be in Oakland, so that's going to be very, very tough. But the Warriors looked very openly frustrated the whole game. Steph and Clay seemed very stressed out, not getting the help that Kawhi and Lowry got there. But, I mean, the one thing that stood out to me about this game is Siakam, your guy. Spicy P. Spicy P. I was about to say it. I mean, he at times looked like a scared puppy in the last two series. And, I mean, he made like 11, 12 straight shots in this game. Absolutely wild. What would you think about Pascal Siakam? I mean, unreal performance. Shot 13 of 16 from the field. You can't be more efficient than that. He's the X factor for this team. You know what Kawhi brings. You know what Lowry brings. You know, you're going to get a couple threes from Danny Green, Van Fleet, and stuff like that. But Spicy P has been up and down all postseason. And when he plays like this, I mean, the Raptors are going to be tough to beat. I still think the Warriors are better. But, I mean, Spicy P, if he plays like this, I know he can't do this every game, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, if you, if you tell me Kawhi isn't going to score 30 and Kyle Lowry is going to have four late in the fourth quarter, I I think the Warriors win by 20. Yeah. I, I don't care where the game is. And uh, Siakam saved the day tonight. And what I can't really decide on going forward is uh, how is that going to be able to be uh, replicated going forward? Like, is is Siakam really going to be able to carry the load? I mean, and you don't need 32 from every night, but he's probably going to need close to 20, you would think, for them to have a legitimate shot to keep pace with the Warriors' offense. And like you said, I mean, Kawhi finishes 5 of 14. He finishes with 23 points, but – I mean, the way he shot the ball, he shot well from three, three of six, made a couple big ones in the fourth. And then Kyle Lowry finishes two of nine with seven points. It's like, it's like that meme. You can see that meme on Twitter about Kyle Lowry getting seven points. That's going to be everywhere, even though they won. I mean, you tell me that before the game, I'd say Warriors by 20-plus, and they Raptors win by nine. The Raptors have gone from a team so quickly that just had Kawhi take 40 shots or something like that in a game seven. I mean – They've completely flipped the script. These role players have been fantastic. 
uh, especially late in that Bucks series, winning the final four games there. They get all those threes from Van Vliet. Gasol is running the offense. Uh, just a lot of help. And tonight, everybody came out fired up and ready to go. Gasol hits two threes in the first four minutes. Uh, Danny Green, zero points in game five. Zero points in game six. Never plays over 16 minutes. Comes out tonight. Looks like Danny Green from the Spurs days. I only had 11 points, but did a great job guarding Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. They all did really, they really, really make Clay and Steph work hard for their shots. Van Vliet and Lowry and Danny Green guard them like it's their last possession on earth. It's uh, That is something I think they can keep going in games two, three, and four. Yeah, Clay looked a little rough today, honestly. It was kind of a, you know, the rest versus rust narrative. The Warriors came out, scored the least amount of points in the first quarter. They have all playoffs. I think they finished with 18 in the first, something like that. Yeah, it, it just looked sloppy early. They kind of settled in. Clay ended up hitting three threes, but yeah, he looked like he was struggling. I really was expecting Kawhi to come out and guard Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, and he he did some tonight. But the Raptors' defensive plan revolved around Kyle Lowry guarding Steph Curry or Fred VanVleet and Danny Green guarding Clay Thompson and. Uh, Kawhi almost got to rest on defense a little bit, being able to sag off Draymond Green, being able to sag off Andre Iguodala. It, it was just odd. You look at Kawhi and you think defensive superstar, best defensive player in the league, arguably, and they didn't even use him that way. That was something I found very, very odd about game one. All three ESPN analysts picked the Raptors to win this series, which I thought was so crazy. Wild. But from watching game one... I mean, you can see it. Is that why they're smarter than us? Is that why they're on TV? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to lie. This whole week leading up to the finals, I've just been so negative about it. Like, yeah, who cares? Warriors are going to win in four and five, something like that. Past three years, I've just – my love for the NBA finals has just been non-existent because you know how it's going to end. And the Raptors gave me hope tonight, and I hope all those ESPN analysts are right and I'm wrong, but I guess we'll see going forward. There's at least hope now. Well, now that KD's out, yeah, it's kind of back to being fair again. It's a little more fair, yeah. Because yeah, I, I would say so. When it was just uh, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, I mean, that team was beatable by other teams. If you ran the series ten times, there there yeah. are teams that would. I mean, beat yeah, them. KD KD had them beat, and then LeBron came back from three one on them. I mean, they were they were beatable. Yeah, they were still it, probably the best team, but they were at least beatable. Uh, they they were on the ropes. They were seconds away from losing that series, and, and I, I think that's how it would have been for all of these past five years if KD wouldn't have come. Yeah, it would been way more cooler for the average fan if KD and Russ close out that series and Clay doesn't go crazy in game six there's no telling how the NBA would have been the last three years but it definitely wouldn't have been the way that it's been absolutely and it it was very entertaining to watch tonight and it was just very odd watching the Warriors play from behind and like you kept saying as the fourth quarter winds down like you you never felt like the Warriors were going to lose the game even down 11 with like five minutes left up oh, well here they come yeah the Warriors I mean every once in a while the Warriors get down obviously you saw the Blazers series where they're down 17 three different times but they always make a run where they at least get it within, like, one possession. They take the lead. Even if they don't end up winning the game, which they usually do. And they never really – I think the closest they got it tonight in the fourth was, like, seven or eight. Like, the Raptors just – credit to them for just holding on to a lead. It's probably against the toughest team to do that in the history of the NBA. Yeah, it was so impressive that they just escaped that entire 48-minute contest without that Warriors run that we usually see where it seems like they score 15 points in three minutes and – 
they at least tie the game or take the lead and you're like, oh, well, here you go. Like, it, it's kind of like the Avengers. Like, you know they're going to win, but you just have to, it takes you three hours to figure out how. And <laughs> I, I really, it, it's so crazy to me that the Warriors just look like that for a full contest. And I think that all that stuff that you can be physical with them and you can be physical with Steph and Clay without KD on the floor and you can rough them up is a little bit overrated, but... It definitely looked like that was the case tonight. I mean, Steph took some really hard falls in that first quarter, and his energy definitely seemed down in the later quarters compared to the first when he started to kind of get it going. But I tell you what, man, the Warriors do not look great on offense if Steph or Clay are not shooting the ball. Yeah, I mean, with KD out, like, where is the offense going to come from? Draymond had 10. Um, Jordan Bell only had two. I think the one thing we can take away from this game is Cousins. I don't know if it was the Warriors coaching staff but or DeMarcus Cousins, probably a little bit of both, but they rushed him back. I mean, he looked he looked sluggish out there. He looked like he's probably obviously out of shape. He hasn't played in 14 games. He finishes with two points, zero makes from the field. He only took three shots, took a three. I mean, yeah, he only, he only played eight minutes, but, I mean, he did not look like DeMarcus Cousins that we're used to seeing. I think, I think it's probably more – on him he probably really wanted to get back out there and, and there's nothing wrong with that the odds on him coming back to a finals are, are low if, you, yeah. if your team isn't the golden state warriors you have a very tough chance of making the finals these days and it this may be his only chance so if he's feeling 60 percent, i totally understand him going out there do you see any way he makes an impact in this series i don't know it's hard to see definitely in the next game two game three maybe once he gets better back in game shape and more comfortable out there, he might later. But, I mean, tonight it was just sad to watch. Yeah, it uh, it bummed me out a little bit too. Man. <laughs> but I, uh, Looney, I, I don't think the Warriors were dying for him to come back because Looney has been fantastic. They still – that Hampton 5 lineup is gone now, though. They, they can't run that. So I think any type of lineup versatility, Steve Kerr welcomes. And I don't think that – Cousins being out there tonight killed him. I mean, he, he looked okay. The The Raptors weren't able to expose him as bad in pick and roll as I thought they would. I definitely think he can give the Warriors something in this playoffs, but I'm not sure what it is yet. I, it's definitely understandable for him to be a little rusty coming back in yeah, game sure. one of a finals after missing all that time. And like you said about the Hampton Five, to me this seems like maybe Iguodala's last run, maybe. I don't. He just looks old out there. He got injured again today. Hurt his leg late in the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't know how many more games this guy has left in him. He today he went 0 for four from three. Just and like we said with KD out, they're gonna have to find a little bit of scoring from somewhere else. Especially with Clay looking a little uh, rusty today. And those are the backbreaker shots too. Those Andre Iguodala threes. When yeah, he when hits, they go in. Yeah. When he hits two or three of them, I mean that that's yeah, what kills that's, you. That's what you live with as a defense, and when they go in, they're just backbreaking. And tonight, he couldn't get one of them to go. That's a huge reason why they never found that Golden State casual twenty to three run out of nowhere. Is that the other guys weren't able to contribute in terms of putting the ball in the basket? I thought. Quinn Cook and McKinney did some good things out there. But if that's who you're relying on in the finals, it kind of makes sense that the Raptors were able to dominate like that. But Clay, just a little slow tonight. I was expecting a little more from him. Uh, do you think that he's going to pick it up, or do you think you're going to see more of that? Yeah, I mean, with those those guys, him and Curry, we're so used to their greatness. I mean, this is more of a, a fluke that he's going to have a bad game than a fluke when he goes for 40 at this point. I definitely expect Clay and Curry, and they didn't even shoot that bad tonight. Curry went eight of 18, four of nine from three, about 50%. Clay, about the same, eight for 17, three of six. 
But they just it seemed like they never really got in a flow of the game, especially Clay. Curry was at least being aggressive, going to the rack, getting floaters up. Clay seemed a little passive to me tonight. And I don't yeah, I don't expect that to continue. And they do not have time for him to be passive with the yeah. guys they have out there trying to help them. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me about the Raptors is how difficult they made it for Steph and Clay to shoot twos. It's already hard enough for them to shoot threes, but once they put the ball on the floor, it's they're they're coming out on them so hard. They're closing out so hard that you're gonna have that step when it comes to pump faking and going to the basket. And the Raptors closed out on them so well in terms of that drive to the basket that I mean Curry was so uncomfortable throwing up those floaters. Clay Thompson didn't look smooth at all. They didn't really let either of them get to the rim. The Blazers. The complete opposite. Steph Curry seemed to be laying the ball up against the Blazers constantly. And the Raptors just defended the rim so much better than anybody has against the Warriors so far in the playoffs. I see that being huge going forward. Yeah, the Raptors' defense was really, really impressive tonight. There was hardly any open looks from outside, and everything in the lane was contested, even if it was a foul. Just nothing easy for the Warriors, and that's something you had to do against them because they're going to hit tough shots, so you cannot give them easy ones. You know, man, how, how legit was this game one, though? Like, how legit is it going forward? Because you know that there's those type of games where it's the biggest game in the history of the franchise and it's at home and there's just something in the air. Yeah, and that's I, how it felt tonight. I expected the Raptors to honestly come out really slow with all that hype that's been going on all week. I mean, those fans at Jurassic Park outside the stadium got there at 7 a.m. today. That is ridiculous Unreal. to watch a game outside. They might have the best fan base in the NBA and – so much hype, all the Drake talk courtside, just everything on social media. And then they came out, held the Warriors to the lowest they've scored in the first quarter, all playoffs. Just, I mean, they led the game the whole way. You can't say it enough. Like, super impressive performance by the Raptors. Do you think that Drake wore the Del Curry jersey on the sideline to metaphorically say that he's Steph's dad? <laughs> I mean, Maybe something like that. It's definitely something along those lines. I thought it was a pretty nice move by him. And it was signed by Dell, so that was even better. That's just the only thing I can think and of. And it was the purple throwbacks, which are some of the best jerseys ever. And it's a cool jersey, but I, I thought it was kind of a, a disrespectful and he, move. And he covered up his, uh, his Steph tattoo with a little wristband. which With it, a classic Nike armband <laughs> that you buy in the Dick Sporting Goods like checkout line he right probably, before you're about to he get He probably it. shouldn't have a Steph tattoo in the first place, but, I mean, I guess you got it. You got to cover it up. Golden State running practice at his house. What I is he about? That. I guess he's about the wristband over the <laughs> tattoo. I don't know. <laughs> it, it looks like it, man, but it, do you think that losing game one, I mean, their sense of urgency has to be high no matter how dominant this team has been in the past. Losing game one, do you think this accelerates KD's return, or do you think it has absolutely nothing to do with it? I don't know if it's going to accelerate it, but I think 100% we will see KD at some point in the series. I don't think he plays game two. I don't. I just don't think he's healthy enough yet. I don't. KD's got a big summer coming up, and I, the Warriors are a team that even if they do fall down 0-2, I feel like they're still probably going to win the next two at home, and they're still going to be right back in the series. I think KD comes back in game three, but I think that was already the plan kind of before tonight. They've kind of already said he probably won't get reevaluated reevaluated before game two. But, yeah, I mean, if KD don't come back, we got a series, and I don't know. I think he'll be back in game three, personally. I uh, I think we're going to find out how hurt he is, and, and that's what yeah. you get from game one. Honestly, I think this might be a dream scenario for KD. If the Warriors fall down 0-2 and he has to come back and save them after all the narrative of the last three years, including by myself and many others, that they never needed him in the first place, the biggest asset that he's not on another team, 
And man, if they fall down 0-2 and KD comes back and saves the day, that'll just be just brutal to and that, me. <laughs> and that narrative has just been multiplied with that sweep of the Blazers. Yeah, I mean they're six and zero since he went down. They're what are they? The in, the record when KD is out and Steph is plays is unreal. They're like thirty eight and two or something like that. Like just crazy. Yeah, numbers back it up. It, the, the thing that's hurting them, I I think they could win the series without KD, but it's just that all this money is going to KD that they can't use on good bench guys. And now these lineups just look horrendous out there. But I don't know what KD wants. Like you said, I think it's a dream scenario for them to go down 0-2 and KD to save the day. But if he's actually hurt, he yeah. has this big summer coming up and where he has to get a contract. And it's like not, it's not like a normal injury. He's down there by his calf, by his Achilles, whatever. I know they said it was a calf strain, but whatever it actually is, I mean, that's something that can mess you up the rest of your career. We saw Kobe when he tore his Achilles. He was never really the same guy when he came back. I mean – I know KD wants a ring and he wants a legacy, but you got to think about your future and your money too. If that gets worse, it it could affect that, I guess. But but then again, you're talking about a player like Kevin Durant. Yeah, where he, I think, he's probably going to get his money regardless. Yeah, even if he goes out there in game four and actually tears his Achilles, knock on wood, nobody wants that. But it, if he actually does that, I mean, he's probably still getting a max deal from somebody. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, I, I guess that's my main thought on that is we're going to find out how hurt he is. If the Warriors went up 2-0, I, I really thought he was going to roll himself out there in Game 3 at 50% to just not let that happen. Yeah, they. If I told I was telling Dylan this, that that's his worst nightmare is they win the title without him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's worse things in life that could happen to him, but... I don't know. Not, <laughs> not from a reputation standpoint in your NBA and your legacy, like... Because, I mean, KD's the best player on their team. He has the finals MVP the last two years, but they never really needed him. They won a title without him. They were one game away from winning a title without him the next year. They probably would have won at least one of the last two without him. Is I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm the other way. I, I think they needed him to win all these. I think if they didn't have him, that the rest of the NBA would have a much better chance. Well, it, I mean, it also depends on where KD would have went instead because that's obviously a huge factor too. True, he's that good. But if they win this title without him, if they come back and win this series, even though they drop game one, he's going to have a really rough year. He, he's going to have a year. And then maybe he can come back and face them in the finals and knock See, them off. See, that would be awesome he'll... to me if they win without him. And then he's like, all right, well, y'all don't need me. I'm out of here. He goes somewhere else in the Western Conference or meets him in the finals either way and takes him down. I would, all my love for KD would come back just like that. Well, that's nice of you, man. To be <laughs> yeah, so, I know uh, that's probably what he's worried about more than anything is my respect level yeah, for him. <laughs> it's really cool of you to be so open hearted, <laughs> especially with them being down a one and him going through an injury and just a ton of terrible online comments being spewed at him. At least that you're gonna give him your respect back. I mean, he, only only if he leaves. Yeah, I I think he's leaving, man. I hope so. Yeah, I, I think that's a done deal. But yeah, uh, back to the series. What do you see going forward? Uh, the Raptors up one zero, so we got one more in Toronto, and then we're gonna have two in Golden State, and then one 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 one. What are you thinking? I want to swing my opinion, but I mean, these are still the champs. This is still the best team in NBA history to me. I still got I got Raptors in six or not sorry Warriors in six Raptors in six is what Paul Pierce said man I definitely don't want to be on Paul Pierce's same side as him on most things but um I got Warriors in six I expect the Warriors to bounce back take game two and then I mean the Raptors got to find a way to win one in Golden State and I'm not sure that they're going to especially when we're talking about KD coming back in game three that's gonna be tough I think uh, I, I'm still saying the Warriors are gonna win the series yeah man, yeah but I 
I think these teams are very, very evenly matched. And I do think Toronto's going to win one in Golden State. I, I don't think KD's going to come back. I don't think he's healthy enough. And that's yeah, well, it, going into it, it my all prediction for sure. My serious prediction is based on KD coming back. And like we just said, I think he comes back in game three. And I think, I just feel, I feel like the Raptors have to win game two, too, now. Like, I feel like they have to go up 2 0. Like, like when we were watching the game, the Raptors were up 12 with like four minutes of, I was like, the, the Warriors are still going to win this game. That's just how they've conditioned my mind just watching them over the past four or five years. Like, they're never out of it. It would be so crazy if they went up 2 0. Because when somebody goes up 2 0, it feels over. It doesn't matter. Yeah, who it because is. then all the pressure in game three, like, it is do or die. Like, it, you have to win this game. I know the Warriors have seen elimination games and stuff like that. They've been here before, but I mean, they go down 2 0. And KD is not fully healthy, and Cousins is not himself. I mean, they're in trouble. Yeah, the Bucks, Bucks go up 2 0 on the Raptors. Raptors win four straight that easy. That was crazy. That's the wildest swing of a series I can remember. Like, yeah. Just dominance. It, they each looked like two different teams uh, from game two to three and then on. Do you think that uh, the Warriors have a chance to? Like to flip it like that, if they do go up 2-0, do you think they can flip it? Or do you think that being in all these finals in a row applies even more pressure that you're talking about? Or do they have less of it because they've been there, done that before? Yeah, they can I mean, They can definitely flip it. I still think they're the better team. I mean, we saw this same squad pretty much flip it against the Thunder when they were down 3-1 a couple years ago. I know that was, what, three years, three, four years ago now. But, I mean, they've like you said, they've been here before. They've seen everything in these postseason runs. They've seen sweeps. They've seen game sevens. They've seen, I mean, just last year they were down, what, 3-2 to the Rockets, had to win two straight. Like, I'm not counting the Warriors out until I see someone beat them for the fourth time in seven games and cut the nets down because I just think they're going to win. Yeah, without without seeing them get super, super hot tonight, you know that's coming. Yeah, they're not going to do that again. Like, they're going to be hot more often than what we saw tonight. And we saw Pascal Siakam have 32 points on 14 of 17 shooting. But at the same time, you're not going to get that from Spicy P every time, but you got to think Kawhi and Kyle Lowry played better too, so it should even out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Kawhi I, – I really think Kawhi could have taken over more than he did tonight. I, I really think it was sweet. Only I don't have to do this. Only 14 shots for Kawhi. I mean, you got Spicy P taking 17, but that's, that's expected when you're that high. I mean, he took 40. Yeah, in that and game seven against the Sixers. Curry and Clay both got up seventeen and eighteen. Marcus Gasol got up ten. You just, I'd like to see at least close to twenty shots for Kawhi. By far, I mean the best player on their team. How about Van Vliet just staying on fire? I mean, just thirty-three minutes tonight too. Birth of his son. Five I mean, of eight. Only went one of four from three, but five of eight from the field. Fifteen points. That's big. He was fantastic on defense on Curry. I mean, he was playing every possession like it was his last. Really, really fun to watch. And they got nothing out of Norman Powell. He was giving him some last series. Yeah, absolutely nothing from him. Two points. And, and Kyle Lowry seven points, but he does you know nine assists, six rebounds. It, it felt like he was playing okay at times, and he deserves as much credit defensively against Curry as Fred Van Vliet does. They were both fantastic, and when you have as many good guys as the Raptors have, you can afford to have guys have slow nights if they're going to be picked up by their teammates. That's exactly what Green and Van Vliet did for Kyle Lowry. Yeah, and Lowry, he only had seven points. He only took nine shots. So him and Kawhi only combined for 23 shots. That is crazy. 23 of their 77 shots. And the Raptors win this game almost by double digits. Marcus Gasol had 20 points tonight. What year is this? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, he started the game, hit that. I think he hit two threes in the yeah, first no, quarter. He did, I was yeah. Like, yeah, that was throwback Gasol. They, they're going to need that the rest of the series too. Oh, man. I See, I just don't see that being. Yeah, just, I, don't, I don't think they're going to get it. I'm saying they're going to need it. Yeah. 
man. Yeah, his he, shots are so slow, and they just do not look very good. But they, I mean, they they go in. He has not looked great at times. He's, he's, just, he's old, man. I, Been through it. I hear. I mean, I guess he had enough to be fantastic tonight. So it's maybe all, he, only, he. You know, he's only got to do that for three more, three more times. He used his energy and fatigue level perfectly this season. You could argue because they are exactly where they're supposed to yeah. be. Why do you think he's come all this way from Memphis? <laughs> So they hit three balls in the finals. Oh, I miss Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> Austin, who do you like to win the MVP of this series? Uh, I still got Steph. I mean, he had 30, 34 tonight in a losing effort. You got to expect KD to miss at least one or two more games, so he won't be there to take it from him. I don't understand. If the Warriors do win, which I think we both think is going to happen, it's either him or Clay and. Steph, I feel like Steph wants a Finals MVP. Yeah, he hears all the jokes like, eh, "Steph has three titles, but no MVPs." Like, and I know he might not care as much, but you know, it's probably something that he likes to get off his back. Yeah, he's he's the best player on the team that's most likely going to win. So you got to yeah. love that pick. He was minus two seventy five going into today to win the MVP with in a series that has all these different players. It's crazy to be that heavily favored to win the NBA Finals MVP. I mean, I feel like it really comes down to it's Kawhi or Steph. I know Spicy P went crazy today, but I don't expect him to average thirty a game, and I expect Kawhi to only play better. So it's basically Raptors or Warriors, and I like the Warriors, so I got stuff. Yeah, Spicy P, though. I mean, he he was coming in at 30-1 yeah, to one His odds going to take a pretty big jump tomorrow, yeah. I would say. I uh, Clay Thompson has really good value as a sleeper. He started at 8-1 to one today. I think he'll probably go up to 10-12-1 after this game has occurred. And, I mean, it, it's, it's very possible that he's going to be the one to carry the Warriors to this title because – it sure as heck is not going to be anybody else other than him and Steph. So he's going to get to shoot the ball a lot if KD doesn't end up coming back, of course. Yeah, and I feel like Steph has more of those games where he kind of just disappears and goes cold than Clay does, which isn't saying much because they're both two of the best shooters of all time. But I just feel like Steph has – and not so much now that KD has gone down and he has to take more shots and be more aggressive. But in the past, Steph has kind of – had a few bad games here every once in a while, and that's why he doesn't have a Finals MVP to this point. And this, the KD has been so good, but yeah, I think those bad games usually come when KD's in there, though. Yeah, because the, their offense gets so stagnant, they just give it to KD and get out of the way, and Steph can't get going like that all the time. But yeah, like he's been great since KD went down, so I don't really expect that to happen this series. So yeah, I got Steph. Yeah, I like Steph as well. I, I do think that Clay Thompson has some awesome odds. Our guy Evan Turner, who we really, uh, we really love and respect. Uh, Bench player for the Portland Trailblazers has one of the most iconic conference tournament NCAA shots of all time from Ohio State where he pulls up from downtown. He tweeted tonight and said that Quinn Cook was a sleeper for the finals MVP after he made his first shot. What do you think about that? Not loving Quinn Cook. Six points tonight. Uh, Nine minutes, really. Most MVPs play more than nine minutes and really did not expect an uh, Evan Turner Buzzer beater in the Big Ten tournament shout out tonight. So that's just one of the really most. Always keep me on my toes. Yeah, it's really iconic moment of my uh, March Madness <laughs> basketball viewership at Evan Turner <laughs> shot. Sneak it in there. I was glad to be reminded of that tonight. But yeah, if you like Quinn Cook for the uh, Finals MVP, well, that's good because he's hundred to one. He should be higher. <laughs> <laughs> he probably should. All right, Kendrick, great to have you here. Good news in the city of Louisville yesterday. Jordan Noir returns to school for his junior season. 
This news alone caused CBS to move Louisville from fourth to second in their national polls for next season, which is really crazy. Knowing the war is coming back, how accurate is that ranking? Well, it's great news, but and, and it's exciting too, but I, I don't think that's a very accurate rating. I mean, or ranking, I'm sorry. I, I think that we just lost in the first round of the, the tournament last year. So it's just really hard to believe that, you know, I, and don't get me wrong, we got some good players coming in. Chris Mack has done a great job recruiting here. I mean, definitely one of the better years we've had recruiting. There's no doubt about that. But to turn a season around like that and, and just become like a national, you know, it feels like power. You know what I mean? Uh, we play in the ACC still. Got to play some really good teams all year next year. It's yeah, going to be every, tough. Every night's going to be a grind. Uh, it, it's really tough to see us taking that huge leap knowing that all the same guys are going to be back. But we do have six returning guys that got major minutes. Uh, we also have the number eight recruiting class nationally, according to ESPN. So I think that there's a, a lot of bright spots to reflect on as Louisville fans right now. But I do think the number two spot is is kind of carried away. But college basketball teams change drastically every year. you got guys that you don't even realize are gone because they're not NBA threats or prospects, and they're just seniors and graduate. And I saw Michigan State has Cassius Winston back, and they're locked in at the number one spot, and they're going to be great. But He's a great I, player. So maybe Louisville just has more coming back than most other teams, and that's the only thing I can think of in terms of why that ranking is that way. But Jordan's coming back 17 points a game, seven rebounds last year, uh, double digits and 31 of 34. That's it's really, really good, and any basketball team, I think, would be better to have him. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he's coming back. Yeah, I think we have a great balance of, you know, returning players and, you know, incoming players, but I, I, I just can't buy into to players that I haven't seen play at the college level, let alone a Power 5 college level. Exactly. It's uh, You have to be able to see that success, I think, to put that ranking next to it, and, and we, we didn't really get to that point last year, so I don't know what's going to be that different this year, especially when you look at the fact that you know, Kristen Cunningham was a huge part of our team last year, a big contributor, arguably a top three player, depending on who you ask. And we are going to miss him, and uh, the point guard spot definitely brings the most questions when you look at our roster. But from Jordan's perspective, uh, he, he had a pretty interesting draft process. Depending on which website you looked at, Jordan could come in anywhere at 28 from the fir- in the first round or not on the board or 57 in the second round. And that's got to be really tough to – decide on whether you're going to go pro or you're going to stay in school given that the amount of money you're going to make is based on where you get picked when you start your NBA career and that's a really big risk uh do you think from Jordan's perspective this was the right move I think it was uh I mean he had a great season last year don't get me wrong um but you know there's still some things in his game that he has to work on you know we touched on it a couple weeks ago he turned the ball over a lot but he does have good size uh, but that's not going anywhere you know what I mean as long as he kind of keeps that confidence that he had last year that swagger they had last year he can have a good season and I think he has a lot of people around him I think that excites him you know because he hasn't really had that chance to make the run in the tournament um you know we've seen Louisville players pass on that opportunity to come back you know Donovan Mitchell being probably the most notable one when you really feel like maybe things are turning around he can come back and really you know change our team um, and he decided to move on, which was fine. Obviously, that played out great for him. Great move for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I think I think that he saw some some areas where he could, you know, improve at um, in trying to play with people that are going to that level uh, and getting workouts in and things like that, and I'm sure he got some good feedback. Uh, it's On a side note, it's probably the most 
useful situation of the the whole testing the waters thing you know that really played out well for him he got a chance to go there and he really took advantage of that and all the way up to the last minute finally made his decision i i do think he made the right one yeah he is a great example of that he he told media members a, cu- a couple days before he made his final decision that uh, there's a ton of positives in going back to school and his positives were we have a great recruiting class coming in we have an awesome coaching staff we have unfinished business in the tournament and uh, that's it's great that he thinks that way because we definitely do and um i, I really think that him coming back is going to be huge. He, he had so much to improve on, uh, dribbling with his left hand, going to the basket and kicking it out, um, defense, lateral quickness, when timing. When somebody's set under the basket, you know, maybe stopping. Yeah. Just running right through him. Just, like uh, just being a little more calm and smart with the basketball because he, he already does the hard part well. The the turnaround jump shots, the thirty footers, the heating up, the nine points in a minute thirty, and everything. He's he's no doubt the best player on our team to me. So it, it's so great that he's coming back. Uh, Chris Mack, I think, plays a huge role into why he's coming back to Louisville. Uh, there's a lot of confidence around town. I think there's a lot of confidence in the basketball program. Uh, do you feel as confident in Louisville hoops right now? I mean, we're ranked second in these preseason rankings as you did six years ago. I mean, we had a. Hall of Fame coach, you know, there's still, Chris Mack still has things to prove. Don't get me wrong. He's, like I said earlier, he's recruited great. Uh, He has been, to me, a success to our team in his short time here so far. Uh, And hopefully he is able to continue that success. I think the exciting thing about Chris Mack is that he has that chip on his shoulder. We talk about that a lot to where he, you know, he does have something to prove and he really does want to keep that success going. Uh, not that Rick Pitino got lazy or anything like that, but it, he was a Hall of Fame coach, you know what I mean? And so he knew the game front and back, the rule book, the, the referees, all everything, you know what I mean? He he was a he had a lot of rapport in college basketball. So it's a look it, it definitely feels different. Yeah. This is a different time for us. It, absolutely. I am far less confident now. Um, but it it's reasonable to see us possibly being a national contender maybe this season but especially within the next 1 to 2 years when you see when you see him have immediate success recruiting at a place that uh hasn't had the best recruiting pass now as we've seen so he's immediately doing well have to feel good about it but yeah I have to see it before I act like everything's already been accomplished uh being ranked in the preseason will definitely provide hype and ticket sales but that doesn't make them good it doesn't mean that we have it wrapped up and we're for sure going to be a top four seed or even a top 20 seed or anything like that but I mean yeah they still have to get out there and do it I don't think we're even close to where we were in 2015-14 right in that time period uh the projected starting lineup going into next season now with Jordan coming back is that grad transfer point guard Kimball uh Samuel Williamson same last name as Zion could be huge Dwayne Sutton, Jordan Wara, and Stephen Enoch. It, it sounds pretty solid. The only one that could go either way to me is Stephen Enoch or Malik Williams. So who do you who do you have there? I think in that lineup, you know, Malik, like in the lineup without you know seeing the five guys across from him, Malik probably fits in a little bit better there because he can spread the floor out and just knowing what some of those other players can do. Um, I think that he kind of plays into that a little bit better. But I, I, I do think that you're going to see a lot of moments where Enoch's the guy. And it just, like I said, it depends on who's, you know, the five guys across from him are. Um, also depends on kind of like how our offense is flowing at the time. You know, um, Chris Mack does give a lot of different looks. Uh, he he doesn't fall into like one 
type of style of play, and that's kind of what makes it fun. I hope he continues that. Um, but that'll play, in, that'll play into who is taking that position, you know, when we got to have that guy that's a little bit more physical and, you know, we want the ball kind of playing in or inside out, which we've talked about how college is different in that manner where you do go inside and you, you know, go out and then you have to spread the floor and things like that. I think Enoch plays well into that, but I mean, Malik's going to have, I think Malik's the guy in that lineup. I, uh, I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm for sure going with Enoch. I think his potential has yet to be totally unlocked. I like the way his three-point shot looks. I, I don't mind when he shoots threes at all, and I think he's going to get better at them over the summer. And that's one thing I always forget when evaluating Louisville basketball is how much better these players seem to get year to year from the last time you see them until the, the maybe the 10th time you see them in the next season. I mean, look at how much better Jordan Awara got and, and the jump that Dwayne Sutton made. And sometimes we have guys go the other way, for sure. But most of the time, there's drastic improvement there, and I think both of these guys are going to get a lot better. Malik, the first day he stepped into the um center to now is a completely different basketball player completely different body type very good laterally on defense can switch onto a guard and uh, hold his own I, I appreciate what he does for the team but I just I think Enoch is a problem like Enoch can be that guy that other teams talk about first when you're talking about shutting down our team if he can get to that left shoulder and just constantly finish I mean so many times last year he frustrated fans to such a high degree because he would get to a point where nobody could block his shot it was it was just him and he would just miss if he gets those mechanics down to where that's muscle memory and second nature he's gonna be unreal kind of I mean it, it reminds you of Shane Behannon a little bit you know we saw some some uncertainties in you know early in his career at Louisville and then it just seemed like towards the end of it when he got it down low good things were happening you know for the most part and from a fan standpoint, I am more excited to see Stephen Enoch. You know, I do think that there is a big chance of improvement here, and, and that excites me as a Louisville fan. Uh, you know, I've already seen Malik for two years, and I'm not bored by him at all. You know, like you said, he's improved a lot. But I, we've only gotten a year of Enoch, so I am more excited to see him. I just I'm more sure of Malik right now in our system. No, that makes sense. I really like the Shane Behannon comp. Uh, I wish Stephen Enoch would – take on that persona that Shane had during our really successful years of I'm going to do these five things well and I'm only going to do these five things it, Enoch will give you a little bit of everything out there he's shooting mid-range jumpers he's shooting threes left-handed hook right-handed hook but he's strong enough and athletic enough where if he took on that Shane Behannon mindset of doing the little things for our basketball team but being a star because of that I mean, we'd be tough. It just, I don't know. I got to see what else is out there. It's its so tough to talk about sports from a preseason point of view because, I mean, man, North Carolina, Virginia, and Duke are all in our conference. And saying those teams, even right now, no matter who they lost, it feels like they're better than us. It, it feels like, why, why would we be better than them? And I know that they're not ranked ahead of us because we're two. So, and, and we know that none of them are ranked ahead of us. So that just doesn't feel right. It's been a long six years. It doesn't feel right. Uh, <laughs> last question, uh, which new Cardinal coming in do you think will have the biggest impact in terms of next season? I think the easy pick would be Samuel Williamson. You know, very exciting player, definitely one of the best recruits we've ever had. Um, but I, I'm still going to roll Kimball. Uh, and, be, you know, you made the Christian com or the Christian Cunningham comment earlier. Uh, that That guy is a big – a big player for us usually, you know, like that senior leader, that, that guy. And, and even if it is coming from a different team, just the experience alone, we were that was a missing piece. 
We had a lot of good recruits. We were already, you know, getting talked about as a top 10 team. Like you said, we made a jump in the rankings just off um, Nora coming back. But I think Kimball completes our team if if he plays the spot right. And I think Chris Mack can, you know, get him in there and, and work him in the system. And a guy that is experienced like that, once again, can come in and adapt to a system like that. Uh, he's played college players, maybe not at the level that, you know, Louisville has 20 games against every year, but he he's playing that size comparison, you know, guys that are older and, you know, play the game a little bit more different. Uh, the game is slowed down for them. And so I, I'm, I'm really excited to see him. I, I think that he'll make a huge impact. You talked about him starting. I do think that's what's going to happen. Um, I'm a little bit more sure of that now. Uh, I think we'll go with an older lineup. And he's just – he's. I think that he'll be a big piece for us. Yeah, I think Darius Perry's far from ready to take on that starting point guard role. He's going to have to be huge. I am going to go with Samuel Williamson. It, it just feels like I have to. We're ranked second because of something. And I, I think that it's got to be because of this guy. He's our best recruit. Uh, has to be our best new player. He has to make an immediate impact. I, I love the Trinity point guard, David Johnson. I, I want him to contribute. I think he can. He's he's so big and he's so smooth with the ball for his size. But I could also see him having the kind of year where he plays under 12 minutes a game. And he, and it's just kind of more of a next year thing and everything. So I'd, I see that as a higher possibility for him have to think it's Williamson. He's going to have to be great for us to stay ranked number two. Like, he's going to have to be really good. He's going to have to average 15, 20 points a game. So, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on another episode of Red Talk. Our podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and more. Please rate and subscribe and let us know how we're doing. Thanks for listening. TTYL. <laughs>